You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. I'm Dr. Phil Klein. Today, in the second and final part of this series, we'll be discussing how to handle challenges with management of the soft tissues during master impression, placement of direct restorations, and cementation of indirect restorations. Facilitating a consistent postoperative home care regimen will also be discussed. Our guest is Dr. Robert Lowe, who maintains a part-time private practice in Charlotte, North Carolina. He publishes and lectures internationally on aesthetic and restorative dentistry. Dr. Lowe, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Phil, it's always a pleasure. It's always interesting insights, and uh, as I said, I've enjoyed working with Viva Learning and, and you for uh, many years, so thank you for having me. We feel the same way, Dr. Lowe. You've been a tremendous contributor to our CE program over the decades, and we're really happy to have you on the show. So this is part two, as I mentioned in my introduction, on tissue management and how important it is for long-term predictable success of dental restorative procedures. Uh, if you've missed the first part by Dr. Lowe, part one, tap into that. It's the same name of this podcast, but it says part one. And now we're into part two. So let me begin with this question. What is the best way you have found to manage the gingival tissues during the registration of master impressions for indirect dental restorations? Well, just in case those people didn't uh, tune in, I'll give them a, a 30 second summary of, of episode one. Before you take a final impression or master impression, the tissues need to be immaculate. My uh, mentor from dental school, Dr. Harold M. Chevelle, who is probably one of the finest dentists ever to, to practice the craft, one of his quotes was the tissue mirrors technique. So when the tissue looks good, obviously the technique is good. Now, we mentioned provisional restorations and we talked about them in the first episode and, and how important a well-fitted provisional was for helping to nurture and maintain the health of the soft tissues uh, during the course of treatment. Now we come to taking a master impression. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in two different ways. I mean, many dentists and many dental offices for single restorations will prepare and take an impression in the same day. Uh, Dr. Chevelle never did that. Now, myself, I've done that, and sometimes I haven't. And here's the determining criteria. What's the tissue health? If I'm cutting off an old crown that has poor contour, and like you, you, you said with, with your temporary, and I take the old restoration off, and the, the gingiva is oozing and bleeding, how am I going to get a good master impression in that type of environment? The answer is I'm not. So in a case like that, my, my solution is to put a good fitted, well-contoured provisional restoration on and uh, uh, school the patient in the use of home care implements like Power Flosser and Sonicare and nurture that tissue back to health so that when they come back the next time for a master impression, I've got tissue that doesn't bleed. The ideal environment for any master impression is healthy tissue. So what are some of the best techniques to manage that? Number one, have a good fitted provisional restoration. Number two, instruct the patient on how to take care of and maintain the gingival tissues, whether it's using a Sonicare toothbrush, flossing, using a power flosser, any of those aids that are going to help the patient 
uh, in, and maintain the health of the tissue during the interim phase of treatment. If I'm doing two or three teeth in a row, there'll be single restorations probably in the finals, but my temporaries are joined. So again, the importance of of uh, not choking out the embrasures and having good contours even become more important when you have uh, restorations that are joined. One thing about that, I'm a big uh, advocate of a two-chord impression technique. So when I'm taking a master impression, I pack a double zero knitted cord in uh, to the base of the sulcus, and then I, I place a number one uh, knitted cord at the level of the margin. So that's going to create a funnel-like shape to the gingival sulcus so that when I pull the top cord, I leave the double zero cord in place and I inject my light body material into the sulcus. And I found that with that technique, you get capture not only the margin, but a half a millimeter of tooth or root surface apical to the margin. That is the second key of tissue management and good impressions. It's not just capturing the margin, it's capturing a at least a half a millimeter of tooth or root surface apical to the margin. So the blind man in the lab can trim the dye, the emergence profile and the restoration is perfect, and the provisional restoration goes back on uh, and the patient uh, then will be reappointed for delivery of the definitive restoration. And how much does this differ with the cord when you're doing a, a digital scan as an impression? That is an excellent question, Phil, because tissue management differs zero from a digital scan. The only thing that differs is whether I'm injecting light body into the sulcus or I'm picking up my scanner and scanning the, uh, scanning the uh, uh, preparation. So people that think that uh, uh, scanners uh, obviate the fact that you need good tissue management are, are not uh, thinking correctly because again, you're using a picture to capture a three-dimensional object. You have to have unimpeded access for the camera to be able to see the margin in the areas of the root surface beyond the margin to get a good scan. So tissue management and, and, and the, the two cord technique is the same for me regardless of whether I'm scanning or taking a physical impression. Let's talk about the delivery of direct and indirect dental restorations. What are some of the technologies to manage the soft tissues on delivery? Well, in, in, in delivery, again, you know, every every step builds on itself. So if you have a good fitted provisional, um, as you stated in your case that you didn't have a great one, my goal is to take the temporary off and clean the cement off the prep and have nice, beautiful pink tissue that I can use my cement of choice for whatever material I'm using. Obviously, that's not always going to be the case because uh, no matter how much you emphasize to the patient the importance of using their home care regimen, sometimes things happen and uh, you, you don't always have an ideal situation. So there are a couple of products on the market that actually uh, were designed to replace retraction cord. One was called Expacil. I think Acteon now sells Expacil. Uh, Traxident from uh, Premier. Uh, these uh, retraction pastes, they never really, in my opinion, replaced retraction cord because they couldn't physically displace the tissue to the, the, the degree that I feel is necessary for getting a good impression. But that being said, the viscosity of those materials accompanied with the astringent, most times aluminum chloride, if you have a little bit of a problem area, uh, uh, if you, use, you can use some of this material locally in that area, uh, push it into the sulcus with a 
dry cotton pellet, let it sit there for a minute or two, rinse it out, and problem solved. Now you can go through and, and, and dry the area and, and use your cement of choice, depending upon your substrate and, and cement your restoration. So that's one good little tissue management tip. Another one that I would always recommend, and in fact, I just wrote an article last year on uh, how does any dentist practice without a diode laser? And the answer, my answer is I don't know how, because I certainly could. Mm -hmm. uh, a diode laser is absolutely a beautiful adjunct. Again, to me, it doesn't replace the use of cord. Anybody that says that a diode allows you never to pack retraction cord again, doesn't understand gingival tissue. I would never be using a diode or an electrosurge, God forbid, with a larger radi uh, radius of necrosis. I would never be using those in a thin periotype and with a, 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 a low crestal placement uh, because you're going to get recession and, 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 and uncontrollable necrosis. So you have to know where to use these things. And a lot of times, you know, in cases where the tissue may not be ideal, if there's thick tissue interproximally or on a, a maxillary tooth on the palate, um, I may use a, a diode laser initially to uh, clean up a little bit of that tissue and then place the cord soaked in aluminum chloride uh, on, uh, rather than pack the cord to displace any little tissue tags and get a little bit more astringent material into the area. Uh, and, and when I do that in, in those types of cases, again, I pull the, pull the cord. What I wanna see is ring around the collar, the moat around the castle, a little bit of water in the air, dry things out. I can have time to take a picture with my camera. You can see the space between the prep and the, the tissue and whether you're gonna take a, a scan or you're gonna make a physical impression and, and, and place light body into that area, you're gonna get the impression every time. And if by chance you miss, you don't have to go back and repack. You just dry out the area and take your second backup impression. So right. those are some of my secret uh, quote unquote tips on managing the tissue for both making the impression and delivering the crown. Now, when we talk about inla uh, implants, Delivering an implant crown is another story because most of the time, uh, you, if you've got tissue that's spilling over onto the platform of the implant, it's not going to get displaced by pushing the cement through the crown down into the tissue. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Periimplantitis. Uh, a diode laser. Yeah, periimplantitis. So uh, a diode laser is absolutely, in my opinion, essential to be able to clear away excess tissue and allow unimpeded access to the platform of the implant. And then there are, are techniques to place cement in, uh, uh, in implant crowds where you don't overplace them. Uh, I actually learned something from David Little where he showed in a lecture, he, he uh, used a, a futar, a, a bite registration material and injected it into the uh, implant restoration, made a rubber dive of the intaglio and then injected the cement into the restorations and sat the restorations down on the rubber dies to get rid of all the excess cement before placing the restorations mm, on yeah, the abutment. That, that's clever. That's a clever technique for sure. It's a, yeah, it's a nice, nice little technique. So the little, you, the little cement that remains is easily identifiable and cleaned up and uh, uh, all as well. So uh, a, lot, a, a lot of good things, but it all, all comes back to uh, you know, managing the tissue, getting the tissue out of the way in the case of the implants, uh, uh, 
having healthy soft tissue when cementing or taking an impression and leading back to that first uh, appointment and getting the patient on the right track with their uh, home care. Yeah, I mean, being in the business, in the profession, and it is a business, as long as you have, and I'm not saying you're an old guy, but you've got decades of experience. I am an old guy. Uh, you're not. You're not an I'm old. I'm a Medicare. I'm on Medicare. I'm yeah. a Medicare. Now. Yeah, that, that's 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 a psychological. <laughs> that's a psychological thing. But um, the yeah. thing the thing is, I just want to emphasize to the audience how much knowledge is picked up over the years and years and years of clinical cases that you've done. And it's great that you continue to teach. And I saw you in Scottsdale at the Spear Education Program. Um, it's just very, very important for younger doctors to take webinars by you, listen to podcasts like this. And then as they practice, as long as you have, they'll pick up a lot of these things through experience. But the things that you've learned, and you didn't have the internet to listen to CE. You had to actually go No, somewhere. we didn't. Right. So you had to go listen to a doctor tell you this. and or doctor, It was a Dr. Chevelle you talked about who was your mentor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So you're lucky you had a time to sit down in a conversation and he can tell you a couple of tips. But what you've learned through so many years of clinical experience, you know what's important in getting predictable uh, outcomes. And you, you realize, hey, I can't ignore inflamed tissue. That's not a shortcut. We can't shortcut this and say, well, it's going to work because the cement is great. The crown fits great. We've got good retention. There's still going to be a failure point. And having said that, what are some of the main reasons why dental restorations fail? What have you found? Well, I, I, I think one of the main reasons why dental restorations fail is, is uh, they live in a, a very hostile environment, uh, microleakage, uh, when, when margins aren't well sealed. I I always tell my audiences too, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings, but all of my margins are open and all of yours are open. It's just a question of how open they are. I mean, we, we consider a 30 to 50 micron margin clinically closed, but bacteria are one micron in diameter. So if we don't have a, a perfect fit and what's ever perfect in this world, there's always the chance uh, for failure to happen. Another thing is with, with our materials. Uh, our materials are, are advanced, and we have a, I tell people we have a lot of great materials today. That's the good news. The bad news is we have a lot of great materials today. Because mm -hmm. people ask me, well, what's your go-to cement? Well, I don't know. What's my go-to cement? Tell me uh, the clinical situation. Uh, how tall is the prep? Is it in the front or the back? Can you isolate it or not? Um, there are a lot of different factors that play into Choosing, making the appropriate choice, not just what's your flavor, what's your favorite flavor. So uh, that's one of my messages to the to the younger dentists too. As we get into the more of a, of the digital world, where we're taking um, a lot of this manual work away from the doctor and delegating it to uh, machines. I tell you, Phil, you, you, given our age away, I, I just think of Terminator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> you know. But I, I think in reality, uh, I think the biggest challenge that younger dentists are, are going to face in their practices are, are integrating the best of digital technologies with tried and true analog or, or traditional dental techniques that have been around and have been proven to work for years. Mm -hmm. Because there is no magic bullet. There is no magic material. There is no, well, I've done it this way for years and it works for me type of thing. 20 years ago, I heard from many pundits in the industry, in the profession, that impression material 
is going to be gone in three to five years. I think it was 25 years I heard that. And it's still here. You're still, no, have you not heard that? Where, you know, oh, impression materials history in, in five years, there won't be a doctor that's not scanning. I don't, what is the, Absolutely. What, is the what is the adoption for digital scanning? Do you know? I, I don't know exactly, but I tell you, I've been involved in the world of dental lasers for several decades. And uh, they said in the beginning that, uh, you know, within uh, several years, that doctors won't be using hand pieces anymore. Right, I remember. We're, that. we're talking about what we're talking about wonderful tools. Scanning is a wonderful tool. Lasers are a wonderful tool. But here's the thing: the cost effectiveness of these tools are getting more and more difficult for the average dentist to deal with. I mean, I, again, looking at the young dentist coming out of school with the debt just from school, you think they're going to run out. One of the first things they're going to buy is a $30,000 scanner. Probably not. So they better know how to take a good uh, physical impression. Doesn't mean that they can't get into the digital workflow because technicians can scan impressions and, and get them into the digital workflow. Doesn't right. mean they can't eventually uh, get a scanner or maybe a group of doctors go in and get a scanner. I mean, but that, that's why, as I said, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, learn all you can, take advantage of, of what's been proven to work and be true and look at what's out there. I mean, I think personally, one of the best advantages of scanning is the models that are produced. Mm -hmm. The models don't have any distortion. They're, they're a lot, in a lot of cases, they're polyurethane. The dyes are impeccable. They don't scrape. The, the mountings are, are wonderful. I mean, uh, it, it's amazing because mm -hmm. you think you could take the best physical impression and, and, you know, if they don't mix the powder water ratio that right, you could have an issue. So, mm -hmm. Phil, we could sit and we could chat for a long time on this stuff. And yeah. it's always, it's always enjoyable. But again, the, the, the biggest thing on, on whether a restoration is going to endure it, and I tell a patient, I'm stacking the deck in your favor. I'm giving you the best of what I have as far as the fit, the contour, reproducing nature. I'm giving you the tools to take care of your, your investment, your Sonicare, and your power flossers. But here's the other thing that's important. Recall. Occlusion and restorations need to be looked at every six months to a year or whatever. X-rays need to be taken, you know, full mouth every three years, uh, bite wings every year, minimally, so that you could identify problems early. So many of our big dental restoration cases, we deliver the cases, and then we don't see the patients again until they have a problem. I think they call it recare appointments. Is it recare or recare? Yeah. I don't, yeah. Right. But yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever you want to call it. Right. Ingraining into the patient the importance of follow-up is critical to their long-term success. Yeah, without a doubt. And making sure that tissue is healthy, and you just mentioned earlier that dental restorations inherently have open margins. It's just, you know, how open are they? Um, there's, mm -hmm. no, there's no case where that thing is less than one micron, right? I mean, do you, do you get that? Right. So, well, well I, I, I think that would, that would be called a tooth without a restoration. Right, there you go. That's enamel uh, <laughs> against momentum. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, but what's in what's I think in, implant crowns have been shown to have close to five microns, but then again, you're you're talking about implant crowns on titanium margins. We're not talking on 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 natural teeth. So right, right. it's uh, apples and oranges exactly. but but having said that, though, that does show the importance of the sonicare uh, instruments that you recommend to your patients and the power flosser, uh, the air flosser, I should say, 
um, how important that well, is. Well, the air flosser is the early one. The power flosser is the new one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, these these tools are important for home care because we're trying to remove as much biofilm, as much bacteria as we can from the sulcus to slow down that process. We can't say we're going to remove everything. Regular maintenance can sure keep that area clean enough where that restoration could last a long time. And uh, right. with, with the home care, with the uh, recare appointments that you're talking about, that combination of treatment and and also what you talked about in your first podcast, which is evaluating pre-treatment and making sure that that tissue is in the condition that you feel comfortable with before you go ahead and start doing restorations. Putting that all together is the key to success. And it's not just like when the dentist sees the patient, they cut the prep, do the scan, and then they're out of the picture. They're not in, they're not in the... Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that that's I Absolutely. think that's the message that you're giving us, and which is a fantastic message. It's almost like we're sitting down with you with a beer... And you're mentoring all of us. For some people that don't drink beer, well, okay, tea, whatever you prefer. Dr. Lowe, it's been a pleasure to have you, and, and thank you very much for your insight. Phil, always a pleasure. Always great to work with you.